tempted, right? But even though we are human, uh, we're going to talk this morning about a guy named Lot. Um, last week we talked about uh, his uncle, Abraham. Abraham was a guy, if you'll remember, that God called out of the land of Ur. Abraham went from being a worshiper of the moon to a worshiper of Yahweh. He went from being someone who worshiped false gods to worshiping the one true God. God called Abraham and said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you a nation and through your offspring all the world will be blessed. He said, I, I, you leave your homeland and you go to a place and I'll tell you when you get there. Well, his nephew Lot went with him. A Lot apparently believed what Abraham was told and so he went with his uncle on this journey. He went with Abraham uh, on this journey to where God was uh, leading Abraham to go. And so they go and things are going well. In fact, they are going so well that Abraham and Lot both become filthy rich. Like they are so rich that there's not room enough in the land for them. They, they, they're, they're, uh, the people who take care of their sheep, what are those called? Shepherds? Their shepherds are fighting over the land. They're fighting over the grass, fighting over the water. They're, they're fighting over using the land uh, that they're both trying to use because they have so much livestock. They're just that wealthy. God has blessed them that much. And so Abraham comes to Lot and he says, Hey, man. No reason for us to fight. No reason for us to keep going on like this. It's obvious that we need to split up. It's obvious we need some clear-cut boundaries. And so he's, Abraham says to Lot, I tell you what, you pick. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. Wherever you want to go and settle, you go and settle, and I'll go and settle somewhere else. And so that, that was the deal. And so Lot is faced with a choice. Where am I going to plant my life? Where does God want me to serve Him? The only thing is, is, Lot didn't actually ask, where does God want me to serve him? He simply asked, where do I want to go? And so we're going to look, first off this morning, at what Lot does with the, the choice he has and with the blessings that God has given him. Here in Genesis chapter 13, we're going to look at verses 10 through 13. Genesis 10, uh, 10 through 13, I mean, yeah, 13, 10 through 13. And so make sure I've got y'all thoroughly confused. Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. Uh, and we're going to see how Lot responds to his, his choice he has of how to serve the Lord, where to go and live, how, what to do with all this enormous amount of wealth that God has blessed him with. And so, beginning in verse 10, <clears throat> Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, God, as we study uh, your scripture, as we study your word to us, God, I pray that you would speak. God, that you would move. God, that you would guide us through these moments. Lord, that you would make us who you want us to be. I, through your word, God, help us now. In Jesus' name, amen. So Lot, when faced with this choice, uses his eyes to decide where he's going to go. He decides based on sight. He sees the land and it looks really good. Of course, we read here that it wasn't as good as he thought it was. Um, and so you guys maybe have been tricked before, saw something that you thought was good and it turned out not to be good. I, I was thinking about this last night as I was laying in bed. Uh, 
when we were kids. Uh, how many of y'all ever had uh, show and tell at school? Anybody ever have show and tell? Everybody had show and tell, right? You want to impress all the, the other kids at school. Well, there was a, a time when my brother, uh, decided, he found this amazing rock in our yard. And it's a rock unlike any other rock he'd ever seen before. It was just this beautiful rock. And he decides to take it to show and tell, to show his teacher, and to show all the other kids this amazing rock he found in our yard just because it was just so unique and so beautiful and so shiny. And so he, he takes it to school to show and tell. Well, at show and tell, they investigate the rock a little further. It turns out it's not a rock. It is bird droppings that have just hardened over time. And so, uh, you know, you can imagine the response to finding a rock that turns out to be, uh, well, you know, poop. I mean, that's what he took to school. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but that's what it was. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll look at the stuff in this world and say, man, that sure is shiny. That sure is nice. I think I might even want to show that off. And the whole time we're holding a pile of bird droppings. Because you see, when we look towards material possessions, material prosperity instead of the spiritual side of things, when we look at material prosperity as our primary focus and our primary goal, we're going to find ourselves in some pretty bad spiritual consequences. Lot looks down off into the valley and he says, Man, this looks perfect. I can go down there and I can make some bank. Like, this is going to be good. I can't wait to get down there and I can't wait to get down there to, to make money. He's not listening to the Lord. He can't hear God's voice. All he can hear is the sound of counting money. He can't see the danger of moving into Sodom, this place that is completely wicked. This place, as we'll see here in a little bit, was God basically judges to show the entire world what it looks like uh, when you completely deny him and you completely turn away from him. Lot doesn't see the danger because all he can see in front of him is the material prosperity that he's about to walk into. He doesn't care about anything. He, he knows, it, it, in hindsight, he had to know this was a bad choice. But all he could tell was that this looked like the Garden of Eden. He said it's watered like the Garden of God. It's watered like the Garden of Eden. Now, we know it was a bad choice, and we know he should have known it was a bad choice from the way it's presented. When we read here, it says in verse 10, the very first thing is this was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, that's kind of a foreboding type of phrase, right? And then in verse 13, when, he, when it says, Now the men of Sodom were wicked, and they were very great sinners against the Lord. These are clear signs that Lot shouldn't go. But he's not listening to God's voice. He's listening to his voice. And he's looking with his eyes when he should be looking through the lens of God's word to him. When he should be asking God, where do you want me to go? All he can think about is where he wants to go. You see, it's funny. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Satan's pretty good at talking us into things or letting us talk ourselves into things. You can just imagine what he must be thinking. He's a city boy, right? He grew up in Ur. Now he's been living out on the, on, on the, in the wilderness. It's like, it's time for me to move back to the city. Time for me to be respectful again, respectable again. I, it's time for me to get back involved in community. And, you know, I'm sure that everything will be okay. I mean, it's just, it's just Sodom. And it says that he goes and he moves into the plain. Then it says that he moves his tent all the way up to Sodom. I, I can just imagine him sort of inching his way towards the city, like hearing the, the sounds and seeing the lights and, and seeing all those things and thinking every day, man, I wish I was a little closer. 
It'd be better for trade, right? I mean, this is a good business move. In the same way, the devil, if we let him, will trick us and have us inch a little closer and a little closer to where he wouldn't want us to be, where God wouldn't want us to be, where we ought not to have been. And so Lot's not listening to the Lord. He's not paying attention to what God would want him to do. He's paying attention to what he wants to do. And the end result is going to be destruction. Guys, when our, when our only concern is material prosperity, the end result is destruction. Look at, look at chapter 19. Skip over there if you, with me if you would. Chapter 19, verse 1. But, and here, we're going to see what ends up happening with Lot. We're going to see that he never really stops getting closer to Sodom. In fact, in verse 1 here, it says that the angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them... He rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth. We'll, we'll talk about the angels and who they are here in a minute. But I, I want us to notice something here. When they show up to Sodom, where is Lot? He's not outside the, the city gates in his tent. He's in the, the city gate itself. This would have been the place for the leadership of the, of the city together, the town together. He would have been, for all intents and purposes, an elder, a leader of Sodom. He goes from being someone who's following the Lord, who's following God's promise and, and seeking out God's promise to being a leader in one of the most, well, the most sinful city in the world. I'm pretty sure when he moved down into the plain, that was not his intention. I'm pretty sure he didn't start off saying, man, I hope I can be a leader in the most uh, sinful city the world has ever seen. I'm pretty sure that wasn't his intention. But that's where he ends up. He ends up in the city. He ends up as a part of this community, a part of this group of people who God says, who the Bible says is extremely wicked and, and great sinners against the Lord, who are doing horrible, terrible things, uh, not just against God, but against each other and against the community around them. They, they, they have turned away from the Lord completely. Look at verse 2. When the, when the angels enter in, it says that Lot says to them, and and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up and go up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. So Lot begins to talk to the two angels. Now, let, let me tell you who these two angels are. These two angels are coming from a visit with Lot's uncle Abraham. Abraham, remember, is the guy who God's going to use to bless the whole world? Well, God has visited Abraham in chapter 18, the chapter right before this, and he's reconfirmed his covenant with Abraham. But then afterwards he says, I, I need to tell you something, Abraham. I need to tell you, or I'm going to tell you, what I'm going to do to those cities down in the plain, not what I'm going to do to Sodom and Gomorrah. So God, God tells Lot, here's what I'm going to do to those cities. I'm going to destroy them. The, the cry because of their sin has come up before me. And so I've come down to check them out and make sure it's really as bad as they say it is. And after I check them out, I am going to destroy them. And so Abraham's had this discussion with the Lord. And so Abraham hears God say, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of how sinful they are. Abraham's response, maybe if, if you remember from Sunday school, Abraham's response to, to God is, no, God, don't do that. You're a good judge. Will not the judge of the earth do right? He's like, what if there's 50 good people? What if there's 50 righteous people in that city? Lord, surely you wouldn't destroy a whole city and kill the 50 good people with everybody else. And God's like, okay. If there's 50 good people, if there's 50 righteous people, I won't destroy it. 
And so Abraham says, well, what about 45? Well, what about 40? What about 30? And he gets all the way down to 10. And he says, God, if there's 10 people in the city, will you still destroy it? And the Lord says, if there's 10 righteous people, I will spare the city. And so these angels come in basically to count the righteous people. Now we know that God knows this is for our benefit. This is not something he had to actually come down and physically count. He's actually showing this for our benefit, showing these angels come into the city. In fact, he sends these angels for Lot is what it looks like to save Lot's life. And so these angels come into the city and they're trying to stay in the town square in the middle of the city uh, where everybody would gather. And so Lot sees them come in and they, he says, hey, you guys need to come to my house. You need to come right away and you get up first thing in the morning and leave. Why is that? Because if they stay in the middle of the city, he knows what's going to happen to them and it's not good things. He knows how wicked and terrible this city is. He knows how they treat people. He knows how they treat strangers. He knows what's going to happen to them. And so he begs them, please come and stay with us. Please come stay at my house. I, come and, and come under my roof. Come under my protection. And so the angels give in and go and stay with Lot. Then we come to verse 4. And this is some of the, the most disturbing, some of the most disturbing passages we will read in Scripture uh, when it comes to, to man and the way that man acts. <clears throat> verse 4 says, But before they lay down, before they all go to bed, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. Lot went out, and by the way, that's not like get to know them. This is not a meet and greet. That, that's a euphemism for know them physically, know them sexually. Bring them out that we may know them. Verse 6, Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you and do to them as you please. This is how far Lot has fallen. Only do nothing to these men, for they've come under the shelter of my roof. In verse 9 it says, But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow who came to sojourn, and, has be and he has become the judge, this guy who came to visit, and now all of a sudden he's judging us, is what they mean here in verse 9. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. See, these folks that Lot had come alongside and, and become a part of the community, now that he's trying to distance himself from them, all of a sudden they're turning on him. Sometimes we think we can be cool with, with folks, but then you know, when we start changing things, that's when they get angry. And so he says, we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot and drew near to break the door down. So they don't take no for an answer. They're getting ready to break into this man's house and drag these men out in the street. Verse 10, but the men, speaking of the angels reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house. So these angels blind all these guys that are trying to break in, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out groping for the door. So apparently these people are so committed to doing what it is that they want to do that they wear themselves out trying to find the door even after they've been struck down blind. That's how committed they are to their depravity. That's how committed they are to their, to their sinful desires, to their, to their physical cravings. They are willing to spend all night groping around in the dark after they've been blinded by angels uh, to do these terrible things to these people. 
Now, you know, some folks will try and tone this down and pretend like what's going on here isn't actually going on. But, but guys, there's, if we just read the Bible, it's very clear what God is saying and what God is presenting here. He's showing that, that one of the, the greatest sins in the, the city of Sodom is this homosexuality that has taken over, over. They have decided to give themselves over to it. They've decided that this is what they want to do and that, that they're going to be a part of it and they've just dove deeper and deeper into the sin until it has taken them over. And here Lot is in the middle of it. Peter tells us that righteous Lot, uh, that he hurt himself, that he uh, tormented his soul day after day as he watched these things go on. Lot knew what was going on and he knew how bad it was, but he didn't leave. He stayed right there in the middle of it. He was a part of this community. Now, now before we, we say, well, you know, Lot must not have been a believer, Peter calls him righteous. He says he is a righteous man. Now, he's a godly man. Even though he's making all these horrible choices. And we'll come back around to this here in a second. But So the angels, they've seen enough. They see how wicked this city is. Look at verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city, bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place. Because the outcry, outcry against this people has become great before the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And so they say, listen, Lot, we've seen enough. We see how wicked these people are. This city is coming to an end. They, they outshine everybody around them at being wicked. And so they're about to be destroyed. So get anybody that you love, anybody that you care about, and bring them out of the city. In verse 14, So Lot went up and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. And so his sons-in-law think he's joking. He's become so much a part of everybody else that he looks no different. And so when he begins to try to speak to them, they don't listen to him. They think he's just telling a joke. They think he's playing a prank. They laugh in his face and do not listen to him. Guys, there's a warning here for us. There's a, there's a warning, a reminder, even for myself, that we must make sure that we do what God has called us to do and, and not what everybody else wants us to do. When we come to, but so that we actually have an authority to stand on when we tell others what God says. But look at, look at verse 15. Here's the true danger that Lot had fallen into. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. So it's clear God is going to judge the city. Verse 16, But he lingered. Lot lingered with his family. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. Guys, this is unbelievable. So God sent angels to Lot and said, We are about to destroy this place. You and everybody you love, get out of here. Get out of here now. Lot hangs out all night long, all the way up until sunrise. And the angels say, Listen, it's about to go down, man. You've got to get out of here. And he still lingers. He still can't let go of his love of the city. He still can't let go of the sinfulness in the city. He still can't let go of all the money he's made. His earthly possessions carry for him more weight. They carry for him more desire than his own life and the life of his family. But God, in his mercy, sends these angels and they drag him by God's mercy out of the city. If that's not a picture of what God does for us in our sin, I don't know what is. 
How often we get stuck in our sinfulness. How often we get stuck in, in the things that we have done. And only by God's mercy can we be set free. Lot sees all of this go on and it still takes the angels grabbing his hand and, and pulling him out of the city because he is so in love with the material prosperity that he has found. He is so in love with being a part of this group of people. So th th this morning we need to be reminded that only God in his mercy can set us free. Only God in his mercy can, can redeem us. That, in His mercy, He sends us Christ. In His mercy, He sends us His Word. In His mercy, He sends us the Holy Spirit and, and so, to fight against the, the lies of Satan that try to keep us trapped. So they pull Lot out of the city. Then look at verse 17. It says, And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. So here again, he's warned again, Don't look back. Just keep moving forward. Go up into the hills. This, he's, the, the angels say, don't look back. Don't be a part of this place that's caused you so much pain, that has cost you everything. Don't long for it anymore. But look at verse 18. And Lot said to them, Oh no, my lords. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. Hear what Lot is saying. I don't want to leave the plain. I don't want to leave easy street. I don't want to leave material prosperity behind. I don't want to leave this world behind. I don't want to go up into the mountains. The mountains seem boring. The mountains seem too far. Let me go to the little city. He's trying to compromise. How often is this us, right? God, I'll give up this big sin as long as you let me keep the little sin. It's just a little one, right? It's just a little sin. The problem with little sins is they're still sins and they still build up and they still drag us back in. And so Lot says, let me go to the little city. And so, verse 21, he said to him, behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. Zoar means small, means little. And so they let him go. Verse 23, the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. And then verse 26, But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. There's a, a couple of things here that I want to camp out on just for a moment. The first thing is, is that sometimes we think that the God of the Old Testament isn't the same as the God of the New Testament that God was really mad in the Old Testament, he got over it, and all of a sudden in the New Testament, he's nice and he never judges anybody. That's not the case. Jesus uses this specific instance to say this is what it's going to be like at the end. He uses Sodom and Gomorrah and what happens, and he says one day destruction is going to come, and it's going to happen just like this. Everybody's going to keep saying there's no destruction coming. Everybody's going to pretend like God's never going to judge the world, and then it'll happen, and it'll be too late. So often we think that God won't judge the world and that he won't judge those who have refused to receive Christ, but he will, guys. Sodom, the, I, I really think that one of the reasons God judges Sodom and Gomorrah the way that he does is so that we don't get in our minds that he won't judge, that we are safe in our sin. We are not. And then the second here is that Lot's wife, she, she trades her life 
for one more shot at Sodom, for one more glance at Sodom. I don't know. It says that he's, she was behind him, and so Lot and his daughter's already in the city, so I don't know if she turns around and tries to go back or she simply looks. We don't know for sure, but we do know that she is still longing for that city. She's still longing for the sinfulness of that city. And because of it, she becomes a pillar of salt. Apparently, the salt in the area from the explosion, all those sorts of things, it just covers her in salt, and she becomes a pillar of salt. Jesus, when he's speaking of the judgment, Luke 17, 32, if you want a memory verse to remind you of the dangers of this world, Luke 17, 32, remember Lot's wife. Remember the woman who had a free shot at escaping judgment and destruction and chose instead to look back one more time. Don't allow yourself, guys, to be destroyed for that shiny rock that's not really a shiny rock. Look at verse 27. I'm, I'm trying to get done here in a minute, but verse 27. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down, verse 28, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So picture for a moment this morning, Abraham spending a sleepless night wondering what was going to happen to his nephew living down there in Sodom, wondering if God had decided to destroy the city or not. He gets up early in the morning to see what had happened to that city. And he goes over and he looks probably very close to the place that Lot had been standing when he first looked down in the valley. Lot stood on the side of the mountain. He looked down in the valley and he said, man, that's beautiful. I can't wait to go down there and, and, and see uh, all the money I can make, see all the things I can have, see all the ways that I can prosper down there. Fifteen years earlier, Lot had done this. And fifteen years earlier, he'd looked down in this valley and decided this is where he wants to be. Who cares what God thinks? Fifteen years later, Abraham looks down to see where his nephew had gone to live. And he doesn't see a fertile valley. He doesn't see a beautiful city. He doesn't see a land of prosperity. He sees smoke and fire and destruction. Not because God's this huge, big, mean, ugly God, but because these people refused uh, to, to submit to Him. They refused to obey Him. They chose instead to do terrible things to each other and terrible things before the Lord. They refused to listen to Him. And so Abraham stands there and he looks down and he sees what this world really offers destruction and death. Lot went down there to make his fortune. He went down there with a fortune and he lost everything. Guys, he, he literally leaves the city that he went down to make all this money at with his two daughters. That's all he gets out with. The clothes on his back and his two daughters. He loses everything else. All because he chose to look for uh, material uh, prosperity instead of considering the spiritual consequences. Look at verse 29. Because even in the middle of this, we're reminded of God's mercy and grace. So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Why did God send Lot out? Was it because of Lot? No, it was because of Abraham. He remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. Lot is saved on account of what someone else had done, on account of the prayers I'm sure that Lot had been, uh, Abraham had offered up in, in the place of Lot. 
Think about that. He was, he was sent out of the city on account of Abraham, not because he deserved it, not because he had earned it. Okay, can I burst our bubbles just for a second here this morning? There isn't one person in this room that's any better than Lot. We all deserve the same fate Lot deserved, to be destroyed alongside the city that we so love because of the sins we've committed against a holy and righteous God. Not one of us can stand and say, I deserve salvation. I deserve grace. Because you don't. So, I, I, and as I look through this passage and I prepared this sermon, I, there's so many different applications I want to make. But guys, the, the application that matters more than anything else is that we are saved, we are forgiven, we have an escape out of the judgment that is coming, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Christ has done. We, we can escape Sodom, we can escape Gomorrah, we can escape the coming judgment that God is bringing on this world, not because we deserve it or because we're any more righteous, because we're not. We want to rush to defend Lot and make him out to be a better person than he was. The truth is, is we don't know how bad he really was. He liked living in Sodom. It doesn't sound like he's that great of a guy. But God calls him righteous because he believed on him. He trusted on him. And his salvation and his forgiveness is not given to him because he deserves it. It's given to him because God is a merciful God that had to grab him by the arm and drag him out of that city. How are we any different? How do we deserve any more than what he got? I, I want to encourage you this morning, guys. I know you said, well, that's kind of tough preaching through a passage like that. Thanks a lot. But I want to encourage you because of this. We are saved not because we deserve it. We are saved because of what someone else has done. God looks at us and he sees Jesus' righteousness, not ours. We do not earn our place with him. We do not earn our ticket to heaven. It is given freely because of what Christ did on the cross. God didn't stop judging at Sodom and Gomorrah. No, He poured out His entire wrath. He poured out His judgment on His own Son so that He wouldn't have to pour it out on us. We deserve the same fate as Sodom and Gomorrah. The only reason why we get to go to heaven is because of what Christ has done. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you're a believer and you say, man, I've messed up. I don't think God loves me anymore. I don't think I can stand before the Lord anymore. I want to tell you that your standing with Him has always been based on who Jesus is. It's never been based on who you are. And so come back to Him and say, Lord, I messed up. Help me. Help me to come back to you. Lot, he, apparently Lot never goes home to Abraham. We don't see that Abraham ever finds out he didn't get destroyed with everybody else. We don't know. And we, we don't know what happens to him, but it appears everything that he had, you know, the thing that made him separate, is taken away. But he never goes home. He could have went home. He chose not to. Guys, don't be like Lot. Go home. Come home to Jesus. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, you've never trusted on him, I want to tell you this morning, don't be like the sons-in-law who think the coming judgment is a joke. It's not. Don't look at people like Lot and say, well, you know, because of who they are, I'm not going to believe. No, listen, God's Word is true and is faithful and there is coming a day of judgment. And your only hope for escape is Jesus. Trust in Him, believe in Him. To Ask Him to save you this morning. If you would stand with us. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing and if God is working in your life, would you come? Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your work.